Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Muffler-Young, and my guest today is Nick Connolly, someone that I met almost another lifetime ago. He and his wife, Jess Connolly, were part of the launch team that moved to Charlotte in 2015 to help start Mosaic Church. And I'm so grateful that our lives have continued to cross ever since. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Nick Connolly and all that God is doing in and through his life. All right, Nick Connolly, I am so excited that you are here and it is only appropriate that you are on Becoming Church right now because Mosaic just celebrated our 18th anniversary as a church and Mosaic is where I met you and your wife, Jess. Oh my gosh, 18 years? I know. Holy moly. Can you believe that? I, I can and can't. Like it's, it's just, it's a sign of God's faithfulness and also, wow, 18 years. Yeah. I feel like we are completely different people now. Me, you, Jess, Ash, Naeem, all of us, right? In all the best ways. In all the best ways. Yes. Well, I think that we should Becoming get, people. Becoming, becoming people, becoming the church, yeah. becoming better reflections exactly. of Jesus. <laughs> exactly. I feel like we should give people a little behind the scenes history, right? So you Let's and I, people that would know us now, but didn't know us back then would be shocked probably to learn that you and I served on the same team when Mosaic started. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember yes. what team it was? I I served on so many teams, but here's what I'm I'm pretty sure is that whatever team I was on, you were probably in charge of it. You're a high capacity <laughs> leader. <laughs> that did happen quickly. That happened quickly because they removed me from my position on the worship team. That's where we served together. Oh my God. Yeah. Those were those were the days. The worship team. Yep. I was looking through photos recently so that we could celebrate oh, our 18th God. anniversary. And I'm like up front clapping and you're right behind me playing guitar. I mean, mm -hmm. incredible. incredible. Those were the do days. You, do you still play? No. So I gave all of my instruments to my kids so they could be better musicians than I could be. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, next generation. I don't sing anymore either. They took my mic away whenever I tried. So I had to pick up preaching so that I could get it back. <laughs> you, listen, I, I just know that I'm going to need a mic. I don't care where you give it to me. It can be a podcast or a preaching mic, but I need a mic. I'm just yes. kidding. Thank you so much. Now, hey, look, now I got both. So joke's on them. You got both. <laughs> uh, well, yes, I met you and Jess in Charlotte at Mosaic. We were on the launch team together starting this church mm -hmm. with Naim and Ashley. But after your time with us in Charlotte, you guys made a lot of moves, both in ministry and physically, like across the country and back. And I know, I know yeah. your story, and I know that it wasn't all easy. But looking back, what do you think God was teaching you in that season? I Honestly, I think the biggest thing was just obedience. I think sometimes we're so focused on the actual what, God might be calling us to. So mm -hmm. like, what's the end thing or the end goal? And what I noticed is, is usually God is more concerned about the process. And so, Hey, I, I could call you to 50 different places, but the main thing I'm concerned about is, will you obey me? Like, will you yeah. 
hear my voice? Will you respond accordingly? And so for us, obviously, like there was several things that were pointing to us moving across the country, 3000 miles away from home. Um, I mean, it, it was it was a really scary move for us. We, yeah. we I, I don't know if you remember this, but our daughter, Glory, um, she had been diagnosed with like essentially a fatal birth defect. Yeah. And like, yeah. they were like, she's not going to live. And so all this is happening when we're feeling like God's asking us to take the step of faith to move. And so I think there's sometimes where it's less about where you're going or what you're doing and more about who are you listening to mm-hmm. and who are you going to obey? And that was just that move for us. And, and honestly, every move after that, like there was one time and you're, you're a Midwest girl, right? Yeah. Born and raised yep. on, on the playground is where you spent most of your days. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> I, we, we had an opportunity to move to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh-huh. And when the, the guy asked me, I literally said no. Like he said, Hey, would you ever consider? I said, no, mm-hmm. I know. I know a lot of things about me, but one thing that's true is I need the left or the right coast in my life. Like I just need to be on the ends. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so when he asked, I said, absolutely not. And immediately God convicted me immediately. I felt like I didn't pray about this. I didn't, I didn't think about it. Like I just said, no. And turns out like, you know, we were there for, I knew we weren't going to be there too long, Mm -hmm. which helped, but also like we got a mother's day snow and we had already, we, we felt like we were supposed to take another transition to move. And man, there's nothing like two feet of snow on the second week of May that confirms your, your, your choices in life of like, yeah, I think we're done here. Yep. (laughs) That was God going, okay, guess what? You did obey. You did yeah. what I asked. And so your reward oh, is, man. I will remove you from the Midwest, actually, and put you back oh, my gosh. on the East Coast. It was, oh my gosh. It was quite, I mean, I, we had a Toyota Corolla and this is, this is not important details, but it just was how bad it was. We had a Toyota Corolla. We did three kids. So it was the five of us in this Toyota Corolla. And I remember it was two feet of snow and I would have to move the snow to get the car out, but then the snow would be in the middle of the road. And so then I'd have to move the snow back to where my car was. And I was like, the people, people live like this. Yeah. Yep. I know. And no shade, <laughs> listen, no shade to our Midwesterners, but it is oh a, my for, gosh. for people that have never experienced it, like it is like nothing else. Like Southerners have no idea. I think the first time when no I moved idea. to Charlotte from the Midwest, And I was teaching kindergarten and we had a snow day and I woke up and I was like, snow day, no school. And I looked outside and I was like, I can count the number of snowflakes falling on one hand. Like what? What is happening? You say that you say the S word and everything shuts down. It's like, you can't say that. You can't say the S word. But, but I, Jess and I always say this about the Midwestern people is that you're the strongest people we know. Like you're stronger Mm -hmm. than, than I am. Like you just, there's, there's a hardiness to your life that I don't have. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So was it after the Midwest that you guys came back to Charleston? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, we the goal was to plant a church in Boston, Massachusetts. And we we uh, the the heart the heart behind that was I. I was just wanting to go where where the church was needed, like I was wanting to go okay. where. Um, there just needed to be a, a presence of, of people living out, you know, the life of Jesus somewhere. And so that was actually the goal. And we tried to do it three times and it failed. And, um, 
it, it just there was just the doors weren't opening the the window wasn't open either it was locked the back door was locked okay. and so we were just man we need to we need to pause we need to figure this out and so in in, in the pause and actually we had um Jess was pregnant at the time and she had a medical scare while she was visiting her sister in Charleston. And so I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana with, with our three kids. Yeah. And she's here with our 0.5 kid who's about to be our fourth kid. And I just remember she's in the hospital. I'm like, they're going to put her on bed rest. She's going to have to stay there. She can't make the 17 hour drive back. And I'm not going to live here without her. And so I'm going to pack up the house and yeah. I'm going to like put, put the kids in the Corolla and we're heading down. Oh my and, gosh. and we, yeah. And through that, I had, God began to work in my heart and he was like, Hey, what would it like? You could, you could start a church there. Like the dream, the dream, you know, the, I think that's the thing that I would say about life is I think a lot of times we, we have the dream and whatever the dream is there, there are probably incredible, good, right things about the dream. Yeah. But then, you know, there's, there's also great things to be flexible about, like, mm. you, you know, where, when, how, mm-hmm. all those things are, are really great things to be flexible about. And usually when we're flexible about those things, God does more than we can ask or imagine. And so, yeah. you know, when, when people are like, oh, you live in Charleston, South Carolina, it must be nice. I'm like, yeah, it, honestly, it really is nice. But also, I was trying to move everywhere, but here yeah. <laughs> and God, you know, brought us, brought us God here. And, very and, and we, yes. And we, and we love it. And, and it's, it's been an incredible home base for our church and for our family. And, um, I just, I'm so grateful to be here, but it was through a medical emergency yeah. that we got here. Yeah. So in that Nick, in the, in that wanting to be flexible, right? Like having the plan, trying to be flexible and all the who, what, where, when, why, how, but also knowing while we're trying to be flexible, we have to like take action steps. How do we hold yeah. the tension of, of those two things? Like how do we do both at the same time? That's a great question that I'm still figuring out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, still Fair walking enough. this out with God. I, you know, I, one of the things that I, we, I was actually, we were talking about this as a staff for at our church history. We had a staff uh, meeting that actually was like a quasi, like uh, one of our staff um members who's an incredible person. She was calling it like retreat light. And okay. um, Al- Alexandra, it's Alexandra Hoover. And she was just saying, Hoover, you know, yeah, one of the things she's actually going to be on the podcast yeah. in a couple of weeks. <laughs> she's incredible. Yeah. Uh, all the hype is true. Um, this yeah. is me. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyping her up. Um, but she said this thing about, you know, she's learning to wait on God and watch what he's doing and then respond. And maybe you can ask her more about this and she can say it way more uh, yeah, poetically will. beautiful than I am. But I, I think, I think a lot of, again, going back to the, actually what's happening in the process, it's not about the destination. It's about the relationship. And so God's God could have a million different outcomes and we could still be like following him and trusting him. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're like so caught up in the, is this the right decision? And, and I, and I wonder if it's just about listening to him, watching him move and then responding accordingly. Yeah. And so what I typically try to do is let him move first. And then when I see or think that he might be moving in that direction, I move a little bit in that direction. And, you know, with Boston, it was, it was so clear because it was like, Oh, this isn't working out. And, and there's no shame in that. Like every, every decision that you make like that is a decision of faith and God is after the faith. 
Yeah. Like that's what he's after because mm-hmm. another word for faith is trust. And he just right. wants you to know that you're, you're trusting him. So I think there's a lot of things in life that we're scared to do and we're scared to enter into. And we're like, is this right? And God's like, well, if you're listening to me, you love me, you trust me, you believe in me, and you're, you're going to do this by faith, then it is right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully that frees people up from that analysis paralysis of like, I don't know, like, are the stars aligned? And, right. You know, he, he only aligned the stars once and that was for Jesus. And right. I'm not expecting that, that same treatment. And so yes. for, for the rest of us, for the rest of us, you know, it really does involve just God, what are you doing? How are you doing it? And, and I, again, just, there's no shame or, or condemnation or guilt when you're trying to move and follow Jesus. Like that's yeah. all he wants. Um, like he's after our heart. He's not after the destination. And so yeah. I feel like if you're moving in those ways, then it's a, a beautiful relationship. I think that we always, every time I think about God's will, right. And trying to like, what is the right thing? And we're trying to figure out the right yeah. thing. Like you said, I think we get stuck on thinking that there's only one option. And so we're like, mm-hmm. if I need to know the details of this one right thing. Or if I even know what the one right thing is, I can do it. And I always go back to Adam and Eve and God was like, Hey, don't touch this tree, this one tree, leave it alone. Yeah. He didn't say yeah. here is the one right tree for you. He didn't say my will for you is to eat only these apples. He was like, you have all of these choices and all of them are fine and all of them are good. He never gave them that specificity. And I think every time I remember that it does, it, it brings freedom of going, there's not necessarily mm. one right person, right job, right purpose, right art, right craft. Like there's, there's so many options that God is like, Hey, all of these things are okay. You know, all of yeah. these things are, are, I will be in it with you if you choose to let me and include me in your plan. Yeah. There's one God. That's the only one. That's right. Like, like you just said, <laughs> right. there's me and, and I'm here for you and everything else you have, you have dominion and authority yeah. and power. And I, you know, I, I, I think, I think the church would live in a, a better place if they, took up that mantle of, of, you know, humble authority, like, like humble dominion. Like, I I just feel like it would be a a better landscape than sometimes it is. Yeah. So you, when you moved to Charleston, you decided to start Bright City, your own Mm -hmm. church was so exciting. What was that decision like? Like, did you always know that you wanted to be a pastor? Well, (laughs) You know, what was interesting is uh, when we were when we were at Mosaic, I, I think I really was so. I, I think sometimes when you live long enough, sometimes mm-hmm. you're just serving where you are. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And so there was a lot of things we did at Mosaic because it was those early days that were like, this is what we need. And so therefore we do. To be done. Yeah. And yeah. And so one time I got to speak for the student ministry at that time. And I think, it, you know, back in the day, it was every ministry had a number name. And so I think we were called 412. And, <laughs> Probably, uh, yes. and I, and I think it's from, it's either first or second Timothy 412, where it's do not let anyone look down on you because of your youth. So I yeah. think it was rooted in that. And I got to speak one time and, and speaking was, was never on the radar. And, and so I got to speak and all of a sudden I just felt like it unleashed some desires in my heart that I had never exercised or processed. And so from, from that began the, the process of like, Hey, what, what would it look like to, 
do a little bit more within the church? Like, what would it look like to to walk this thing out? And, you know, ra- randomly recently, uh, my mom passed away in 2004. Mm-hmm. And I, she, one of the things that I have is I have her Bible, but I also have a Bible that she gave me. And um, in that was this passage, it was a sticky note. And it was like Jeremiah something. And then okay. uh, below that, it said, you will preach the word. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I just found that like it was, it was, I think last year, the year before I just saw that stinky note. And so I think, you know, you're, you're always, or at least for me, I'm always slower to arrive where God asked me. Um, And so it it really began the process of unfolding that quickly. And so, or uh, slowly. And so when I, the desire came quickly, but the process was slow. And so if if that desire came in my early twenties, we, we, we didn't, we didn't start the church until I was 31 or 32. Yeah. And, and that desire, um, came six years, I think, before we actually got to do it. And yeah. I remember we were, we were living in Seattle and I was involved in this, uh, Bible study that he wasn't even a part of the church that we were a part of at the time. And this guy, he, he, he had a, a small community church in a suburb of Seattle. And he was like teaching guys, uh, the method of Paul, the apostle Paul. And Mm -hmm. he was like, Hey, this is what he did. He would come into a place and he would start new communities and these new communities would become churches. And, and it just, for the first time it opened my eyes to like, Oh man, there, there's like a little bit of a strategy here. And so actually what was hilarious and Jess always tells every story better than I, but this story she tells really well is when I felt these rumblings, I, I, I had a, every Monday I drove from Seattle to Portland to go to seminary. And I remember those like three hour drives. It would always rain. It was, it was always wet. I mean, it was just the worst drive ever. And, uh, I would drive down and I'd just be praying the whole time. I'd be like, God, I feel like you're about to show me something. I feel like you're about to reveal something. I remember one night I was coming back. I was listening to like an old school worship album from like back in the day. And yeah. all of a sudden out of nowhere, I felt like I was like, Hey, you're going to start a, a church and it'll become like a family of churches. And, and I was like, what? Like, I just didn't have the, I, I just didn't know any of this. And, but sure. I, when he put that on my heart, I sat on it for a while. And so eventually I do what every person in a relationship should do is you tell your other half. And so I told her, and, but here's the rookie mistake is I actually told her when we were snowed in and, and it does like it, it doesn't Seattle, you like, Oh, they get snow all the time. They do not get snow all the time. It's nasty. It's cold. It's wet. Yeah. Snow is not their jam because of where they're located. And we got this like huge snowstorm out of nowhere. We just moved there. We're 3000 miles away from our family. We're out here in the middle of nowhere. And I said, Hey, I think God's actually calling me to start a church. And I kid you not that Jess Connolly did not speak to me for like four <laughs> days. So we're snowed in and I'm, I'm With finding out that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that like any parental responsibilities, any like, Hey, what's for dinner or are you going to cook dinner or should I cook dinner? Like uh-huh. all of that came by text. and. <laughs> Oh also, God. you need to know that it was not like iPhone text like this. You know, we're so spoiled these days. It was T9. And right. so you're, you're, you know, you hit the button three times three just time, to get uh-huh. the letter that you yeah. want. 
And, and that was how we communicated for a little while. And then finally she was like, Hey, what, what would you even call it? What would it even be like? And, and I pitched her the vision and she was like, okay, well that's, that's beautiful. Oh. And you know, that, that began a, a long journey of trying yeah. to walk this thing out, but it, that was the origins of it. And so I think how Bright City got started was, you know, one desire that took a long time to process yeah. and actually birth. Um, and then you birth it and then it's like, okay, well, the process is not done. And I oh, heard yeah. someone say one time that, um, you know, when you're doing the thing that you actually want to do, you're so obsessed with the thing that you're doing. But what's so interesting is it's not what you do that's important to God. It's who you become in the process of the doing. Mm -hmm. And so the, the church was less about what I was birthing and more about what God was birthing inside of me. Yeah. And so for the first five to seven years, it was, it just felt horrible. Like it just yeah. felt like everything was yeah. like, <laughs> I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> I'm not doing that right. Uh, it just, it was a pruning. It was yeah. a pruning of who I am so that he could make me a better version of myself. And so that it's, I'm still in that process, but yeah. that's how it yeah. came to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm only six years on staff, but you know, I'm 18, 19, technically years in with Mosaic and it's still a process. So I'll tell you, yeah. you know, you're definitely not yeah. alone in this behind the yeah. scenes, church, church planting, church work, ministry. It's hard. It's hard. It is hard. So work. Hard. Yeah. hard work. Well, listen, God, not only Jess Connolly is, she is so funny. Like I am so glad to know your wife. But God was clearly working on her too, because she went from not speaking to you to being ordained. You just ordained her yeah. on Bright yeah. City's anniversary. Yeah. It was I so sweet. It so and, much. It was it was an incredible process. And honestly, like I, I think it was like right on time and too late all at the same time. Like it was <laughs> it was like exactly it was it was perfect and then also she has been operating out of her pastoral ministry for a long time so it's yeah. just a beautiful beautiful moment yeah it was confirmation of what she'd already been doing and the ministry she'd already been walking in which is the way i oh, love yeah. to see ordination happen actually yeah yeah and here's something i'll tell say is i made this like really clear to the churches i was like this is not happening because she's married to the lead pastor like there's right. there's gifting that god put in her like from her mother's womb that, yeah. that I'm just, I'm just grateful to be a part of the ride yeah. so, in our life. And so it just, it was just beautiful because it, it was, it's stuff that's been there before, before she was ever walking this earth. And so it's just beautiful to see all those things come to fruition. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm proud of her. We're proud of both of you guys. It was just such a oh, fun, thank you. such a fun moment to see. Yeah. So let's dig into a little bit. We talked about some some fun, some celebratory things, but you, Nick, had quite the transition from 2023 into 2024 that I know you didn't see coming. Um, it was not, not so much super duper. <laughs> yeah, it was not great. So what happened? Uh, well, first, the first mistake is that I wrote a book called Don't Give Up Just Yet. And yes, so you if you're going to write a book, like write on puppies, write on, on zebras, like write Something on unicorns, easy. but do not. Yeah. <laughs> like this, the, the whole, I, the irony isn't lost on me, but uh, basically I, at the end of 2023, mm -hmm. um, out of nowhere, it actually started right before Thanksgiving. I, I just, uh, 
I felt off. And, and what was so interesting about the feeling off is, especially in pastoral ministry, like they're like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, all of these church leaders aren't like eating right and exercising and taking days off and they're, they're burning out. And, and what was so crazy is for 10 years, like, or even before that, like the exercise, the, the diet, the trying to sleep, the Sabbathing, like all the things that you know to do, uh, were a part of the rhythm, but, uh, you know, a few weeks before everything happened, I, I just remember telling Jess, I was like, Hey, I, I just feel off. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like there's just an anxiousness in my body that I've never experienced before. And I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm not anxious about anything. It was about to be Thanksgiving holidays. I was so excited about that. And then also I would have my Sabbath or my day off and I'd be like, Oh, it's just, it's not taking, like, it's not, mm -hmm. yeah. it's not working. <laughs> It's, I'm not feeling rested at the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Sabbath isn't broke. I'm broke. And so I, I, I've got to figure out what's, what's happening. Like, like the Sabbath is God's gift. So it's, it's perfect. And, um, so all of these things I'm wrestling through and, and it was actually a Friday, um, just had a great day. I was, we did like our Thanksgiving feast at the school with, um, our youngest. And then from there, uh, we went and hung out with, uh, actually our high school youth leaders who are incredible pastors and planters in Miami and they're incredible people um, met them in Charlotte. And so we're hanging out with them. Hadn't seen them probably since we were in our twenties, if not a little yeah. earlier, I, I don't know, like it's been a long time. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not 20 anymore. And, uh, we hung out with them and I was going to speak at seen moms, which is an incredible single moms ministry that my mother-in-law started here. It's incredible, incredible ministry. And so I'm speaking at Sea Moms and then we go out to our favorite restaurant. It's like a Greek restaurant here and just to have a good conversation. I think Jess had recently traveled. So we were just trying to catch up. Yeah. And I got home and I was like, man, I just do not feel great. And, I, you know, you like sometimes you like eat something you're like oh, I feel off but I was like I had the salmon like you know I'm trying to yeah, try yeah. to do all the things and um I got I got home sat on the couch and when we do that thing I don't I don't know if you have friends like this but sometimes you have these like medical professionals in your life where you're like texting them and you're like yeah. hey this is happening and you know oftentimes it's like the rash like hey the rash is back again and they're like I don't I don't want to hear about your rash. Like, please don't send <laughs> but, me a picture. <laughs> yeah, no pictures, no pictures. Um, but anyway, we were just texting our our medical friends and I was like, I just, I don't feel great. Um, and, you know, of course, like my Apple watch is like danger, danger. And so out oh, of wow. nowhere, I went from having like a 60, you know, 60 beat per minute resting heart rate to 160. And we called, yeah, we called 911, tightness in the arm, tightness in the chest, like all the things they tell you to not have or, or not suppress, like everything happened. Right. The fire, firemen, like first responders show up and they're like, can you tell me your name? What's your name? And I'm like rattling off all the information and, and doing it great. Um, and I felt like I was going to pass out and uh, they were like, uh, yeah, your blood pressure, like your pulse, like it's through the roof. We got to get you to the hospital. And so I, you know, everybody always gives you these like horror stories about ER 
wait time and all that. But I'm yeah. telling you, this is a, a pro tip. If you go in the back of an ambulance, they'll get you right in. Priority. <laughs> so, VIP. <line>. Yeah, priority. <laughs> the, you know, the, the velvet rope is peeled back and they let you right in. And um, so anyway, I, I get in and it was seven hours of testing. Oh, wow. And we get to the end of it all. And they were like, hey, everything looks great. Uh, you know, they have all these like protein, like they have all these markers that they can test sure. for heart health and all that. And they were like, everything looks great, but let's follow up with the cardiologist. And so uh, this is, this is like a Friday and then we go through the weekend and, and you know, our, our churches that we have a, our end of year giving campaigns called the bright future fund. And we were going to give away more money than we ever had to like our local charities and all that. And so I yeah. had to miss all that. I no. stayed at home and it, it just was, it was, it was rough, but our, our church just did an incredible job mm -hmm. rallying around me. And so that week passed, we we're heading towards Thanksgiving. Remember doing Thanksgiving, feeling overwhelmed. And then the Friday after Thanksgiving, Jess and I went for a walk. And I, 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 I have to move every day. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. I just love working out and I hadn't been able to. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like, it just feels so good to walk again, to move, move again. Body. Yeah. And yeah. And so we're out on the walk. We're about to head home we're around in the, the, the turn to head home. And out of nowhere, my heart goes from 80, which is like my normal walking heart rate to 130, 140. Felt like I was going to pass out again. Had to get our son to come get me, um, which, you know, I probably made the heart rate worse riding with him because sure. he's a teenage driver. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, and so he comes and gets us and he brings us home. And uh, I had a cardiologist appointment. They were like, hey, if it lasts for longer than an hour, you need to call again and go in. So it did. Called the ambulance, got to the hospital. And it was a five hour long process. So they do the same tests, do all the scans. They're like, hey, heart's fine. They send me home and it happens again. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, number one, I, it's two things. Number one, I was like, I can't go back to the hospital. Like, I can't go back to the hospital. And the second thing was, is I, I think I'm having panic attacks. And it just hit me for the first time that that's might've been what it was. And so from that moment on, it began the like hardest 10 days of my life where, um, I didn't sleep. I felt more spiritual attack than I ever, ever felt my whole life. Like I would just remember the nights, um, because I didn't sleep at night. Like the kind of the rhythm would go is, is I would not sleep at night. I would try to like hold my junk together to like see my kids off to school mm -hmm. because they were like so worried about me. Yeah. Um, to, to sleeping like two hours from like eight to 10 or less. I, I just, I had no rest in my body. Yeah. I had never experienced anything like this in my whole life. And I just, I, I went from this guy that wanted to go to the ends of the earth and I could not go to the end of my driveway. Like I was right. filled with like right. an incredible irrational fears. Like I couldn't, I was so scared to be alone. And I, I like, oh. you need to know like one thing about me is I love to be alone. Like I'm an introvert. Like I just <laughs> alone time is me time. And, um, I just couldn't be alone. And I spent the end of 2023, like battling for my life. And, and I, I, I just, I couldn't believe how on my, like my body was on strike and yeah. it was revolting and I couldn't figure out why and I couldn't calm it down. And so I, I got reconnected with my doctor, got reconnected with, or I got connected for the first time with a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And then I went 
away for a, a week long counseling intensive, which was, was so hard because, um, like I, Jess and I, like we, we've been together for a long time and we have never not talked yeah. every night, every day. And like I six, six nights, seven days without talking to the family. And yeah. I just, I was in the fight of my life. And I, 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 you know, and if you would have asked me at the end of 2023, like, what do you feel like God's doing? I'd be like, Oh, I feel like he's turning a page because I had fought all the fights. Like I was done right. fighting. And yeah. then it was like, just kidding. And there was just the biggest fight that I'd never known yeah. existed happen. Yeah. Well, and you, you kind of alluded to it, but so like, here you are, right. Getting ready to launch this genuinely great, encouraging book into the world, a book on persisting when you're facing overwhelming resistance and yet you're mm -hmm. fighting for things that are beyond your control. So like this couldn't have been coincidence. What do you think was the root of it? The cause of it? Like, what do you think was going on? Oh my gosh. I, so let, I'll, I'll dive in. I'll take it in two ways. There was the okay. attack of it all. And then what I, what I came to realize at the counseling intensive is um, the attack. Like I remember those nights like mm -hmm. hearing this is going to sound really weird, but just hearing a voice like saying you, you should give up. Like you <gasps> don't, you want to give up? Like just tap out, like just tap out, like tap out of everything. And I, I had like never experienced anything like that. And I just mm -hmm. remember like, I remember like I would have, <laughs> this is, I have friends that are, are a little more seasoned than I am. And I know that they're early risers. And so, you know, one of my dear friends, uh, actually, uh, Pastor Naeem knows him is, is a friend of ours at Seacoast. And I knew that, that like homeboy gets up at like 4am to like pray and seek God. And yeah. he's just an incredible man. And so I, I'd be like, if I can make it to 4am, I could text so-and-so and just tell him to pray for me. And yeah. and if I can make it from four to five, then I can text this other guy who I know gets up yeah. at five and they can pray for me. And then finally everybody would be up and then yeah. they can pray for me. And I just, the attack was unlike anything I'd ever experienced mm -hmm. before. The second half of that is when I was able to go away and process everything mm -hmm. is because of my life story and how I was raised. Um, I was raised in a single parent home mm -hmm. and I my mom had gotten cancer early on when I was really young and so I just remember living a life of high responsibility like it was always on me and and even if it wasn't like I just felt that and so fast forward to 35 years later and then you're doing pastoral ministry and you're, you're, you have all these things happening around you. We just had had a high intense season of, yeah. of pastoral ministry of, of things that just weren't normal. And I just, the, the actual weight of like, I, I believe that I, I could care and not carry everything, but somehow my body was carrying it all. Your body and remembers. Yeah. My, my body was like, no more. Mm -hmm. It's over. Like we're not mm -hmm. doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so when I went away with the, with the counseling, part portion of it the the th it was in like group therapy session and she and everyone in the room was like like your life is not normal like you are carrying and, and this place has no idea what i do like you're not allowed sure. to tell anyone what right. you do 
and and they're like you're I, I don't know what you do, but this is not okay. And this is not normal. And it was the first time that I ever heard like, Hey, life doesn't have to be this way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, 40 years it sounds old. like the enemy, <laughs> the enemy. Uh, I mean, it's just that verse, right? Like what he intended for harm, like God brings to good. I mean, it sounds like yeah. you found yourself in the middle of a spiritual attack, but then God mm-hmm. came in to be like, okay, but we're going to bring healing in this and we're going to yeah. turn this around and, and bring healing and bring goodness and, and growth in a way that maybe wouldn't have happened if yeah. you hadn't experienced that in that moment, you know? Oh, I, I feel it now, but in the moment oh, I was gosh. like, I I cannot do this. Like I cannot oh, do I'm another sure. day. I cannot do another moment. It was just, yeah. it was, it was hell. It, it really was. And well, yeah, it's not lost on me, Nick Connolly, that you, I've got your book right here. I remember I texted it to you when I got it. I was like, look, um, it's not lost on me. The fact that you just told a story about hearing a voice telling you to give up when you have, you had written that exact same thing about a oh, friend yeah. of yours in this book. Like I just got teared up listening to you talk about that. Cause I'm like, man, the enemy comes for us in ways that we think we don't have to fight him or in places where mm-hmm. we're like, we think we're immune to, or it's for other people's problems or whatever. And Oh, we, we just, he, he knows, you know, he's, God is always, God, God always knows more. God always is going to win. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to tell you a story. Actually, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you recoup because I want to tell you, you did not, you did not know this. I don't think I told you this. I have, these are the pages that I got to read that you emailed me a year ago. Yes. And so like, I have all my notes on here and I was looking through this morning and what you don't know is that when you were finalizing your manuscript and, you know, asked, asked me, I was so honored, but it also was really divine Mm -hmm. timing for me to get to read these words a year ago when I did, because I have not shared this publicly on any forum, but I had Mm -hmm. been in contact with a writing agent at the time. Um, Pastor Naeem is actually writing his second book right now. (laughs) And so, wow. Yeah. Insider information. So you heard it here. That's right. So I had been in a conversation with with him and just trying to figure out like, what's the next direction for his book. And I thought that I'd had a conversation with an agent who seemed very interested in my ideas and what I wanted to do. Mm. And I was getting all excited thinking like, finally, this God dream, this thing that God had put in me, you know, like, oh, was finally happening. And so I reached out to him to like make it official. And basically the response that I got was so gracious. It was so gracious and kind, but he basically was like, listen, you do have good ideas. Like you've got great thoughts and concepts and ideas, but no one knows who you are. And so like, we need you to build a platform so that we know that people are actually invested enough in what you want to say that they're going to spend money and like put money toward it. Right. Mm. And I know that like, I know that's part of the publishing business. That's the process. Like, I know that that's all part of it. But in the moment, I was crushed. Like, I was super bummed because I just felt like, God, like, I I think that you want me to do these things. And then every time I try, like, it doesn't work out. And so then I get your book about (laughs) not giving up and persisting and not quitting on what God has put within us because of the challenges of the world. And it just felt like... Nick, that it was Mm. God telling me like not to give up that like maybe it wasn't time, but not to quit. And so 
Like truly, when I endorse this book and I tell people to buy it, like <laughs> I, I mean it, I'm so serious. Like I, it is yeah. so easy to read. I flew through it, but it is also mm. so genuine and encouraging in a way that just made me feel seen without feeling patronized. Like it wasn't one of those, like everything's going to be okay with Jesus promises. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But it was like, Hey, God's got you and he sees you. And so just, I just want to thank you for going through what you went through and persevering and writing all the words and the things that God put on your heart, because if no one else needs this book, I needed it. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you matters. for writing this just for me. I mean, I'm so grateful. <laughs> Yeah. And, and what, what was so cool about that process is, is I'm sending it to uh, you and a few other people because I'm like, yeah. I, I just need to know I'm heading in the right direction. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed in, and I don't think this would be a shock to anyone is, is that one of the biggest human battles is resistance. Like there is just mm -hmm. resistance everywhere. And then if you are following Jesus and you are trying to live a life that he's called you to live, the resistance factor like multiplies, like it just does because yeah. it, it like, it's the same, like we're in, we're in, um, you know, as we're recording this, we're like towards the tail end of January and, you yeah. know, we all have these like incredible desires and new year's goals and dreams. And we, we set out and we're shocked at how hard it is. Like, so if we're, <laughs> we're wanting to get up at 6am and read our, our Bible, you know, there, there's all these like external factors that are warring against that discipline and and that's how it is with all of life is like yeah. anytime you've got the god dream or the god goal and it's in your heart like there is going to be so many things in this life that war against that and and what ha what happened to my to me early on is i let the resistance instruct how i should go mm. and so if it got hard i was like this isn't god and you know a few years ago i just shook my head and i was like oh my gosh like it's actually hard because it is god like it actually like the resistance is actually a confirmation that i'm heading in the right direction oh, that's good and yeah. so anytime things get hard i'm like well i'm on to something and i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> pound the concrete until I figure it out. And so when, when I had the darkest nights of my life, I, this, this, I don't mean this to sound cheesy. And I, and like everybody who's in my life would tell you, like, I'm not the guy that like listens to my own words and, and reads my own stuff. Like it, it's, it's painful for me to like, listen to me preach or, or, or read something I wrote. But I remember there's a, a chapter in the book on attack on spiritual attack. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in those nights and I'm, and, and this is like, I've, I've been reading the Bible all night. Like I've just been pouring. I'm, I'm like, why isn't, you know, is this taking like what's, what's happening? Yeah. Like the Bible's broke, you know, and it wasn't, I was just like, <laughs> I was warring. And, yeah. and, um, I remember opening the, the book to attack multiple times and just reading it over yeah. and over and over again. And I was like, Hey, I've seen God do it before. I know he can do it again. Like I've seen him come through before. I know he can do it again. And I think sometimes we always feel like we're a victim to what's happening in our life. But mm -hmm. if we follow Jesus and we put our faith in Jesus and we have our trust in Jesus, we're act we actually have an incredible victory and we have an actual incredible power. And so sometimes the resistance and the battles that we we experience in life, you know, sometimes we get offended by them. But actually, God's like, hey, I'm actually, I want you to know that there's more in you. 
Like, I want you to know that there is a power in you that you haven't tapped into yet. And there is a part of your life that you haven't, uh, a victory that you haven't experienced yet. And this process is going to be hard, but you're actually going to come out of this more powerful and more aware of the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you. And so I, you know, those days were hard, but I came out on the other end, not, not more of not having more faith of my capacity, but more faith of his capacity in me. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't, tra- I wouldn't trade that because whatever is happening for the next 40, like I need that, like the next yeah. 40 years, like I need to know that his power is a force to be reckoned with. And, and I needed that. Talk to the people, Nick, who are in the battle right now, like who don't have the luxury mm-hmm. of looking back yet and going, you know, oh, now I can see why I'm going yeah. through what I went through. And the people that are in it right now who really are on the verge of giving up, whether it's a dream or a really, I mean, whatever it is, what, yeah. what are the practicals that they can do to try to trust God more? You know, assume they're already praying, they're reading their Bible, they're believing God, like all of these things, and they still just feel stuck. Yeah, well, I, I would, first off, I would say is that that, that is absolutely normal. Like, I think one of the biggest if if resistance is the first tool of the enemy, mm-hmm. I think the second tool or lie would be that that you're stuck and and he's going to try to convince you that this is how it'll always be. Mm-hmm. And so the book really is set up to be a triage for your soul. Like I think sometimes a lot of books are written from this incredible place of um, like victory down the road, which is sometimes you need that. Like I, I just need to know like five, 10 years from now, this is what could be. But this book is actually meant to be read in the midst of of it all and so when you go to the er like the first thing they're going to do before they treat you is they're going to triage your soul or triage your body and so this is the triage for your soul like yeah like we've got to we've got to make sure that you're you're at zero so you can get to 10 because right Mm -hmm. now you probably feel like you're at negative 10 or negative five and so i my, my prayer is that the book is is that for you is that companion that you need to like take it it literally one page at a time yeah um but <laughs> but there are there are parts of the of the book that are really practical to help you choose persistence because um it, it unfortunately it is a choice like unfortunately like to keep going like no one is going to convince you that that's the right way to go in fact culture right. will probably tell you hey it's hard tap out like yeah. hey, it's hard <laughs> right. like Go the other way. don't keep going yeah but i mean this is the like big theme throughout the whole book and so i'm I'm giving you this and it'll save you the money if you don't want to buy it but like <laughs> the, the hard trials that we have are usually the last step to the harvest that's ahead and so usually there is this incredible force that is trying to keep us whether it be through pain or our suffering or just like the, the paper cuts and resistance of life yeah, because it knows that the harvest is about to break through. And so when, when Paul writes in, I think it's Galatians 6, 9, it says, do not give up because you will reap a harvest at the right time. Mm-hmm. Like I really do think that sometimes the enemy knows it's almost the right time. And so mm-hmm. if you're in the midst of the fight of your life, like you probably are thinking right now, it is the wrong time. Like I did not sign up for this. Like this is not what, like this is the wrong time. <laughs> and, it, and it actually is probably the right time that you're about to experience an incredible breakthrough and an incredible harvest. But here's the hard part is that it's on the other side of it. And it's yeah. not, it's not like 
oh, I'll just turn and, and do the other, like it, it's on the other side. And, and actually what's so interesting is a lot of people have been asking about why I did this, but we started the book with like, when is it okay to quit? Um, because there, there are 1% times in your life where something's toxic harmful like your persistence actually depends upon you pausing and pivoting and moving away from whatever's happening and 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 god never wants harm to come to his kids for the sake of like not giving up and so you know there's a part in the book that really deals with that in a nuanced way that is bigger than one second on a podcast but yeah (laughs) most most of us the 99 percent of us are one step away from an incredible harvest if we keep going. Wow, that perspective truly changes, well, my perspective. (laughs) That, like, (laughs) just to think, maybe it is time. Maybe it is almost time. Like, that is, that. I mean, that is so encouraging to me. I'm like, wow, I need to write that down somewhere. I need to just, like, tattoo that on my forehead or put it on my desktop (laughs) or something. That's amazing. That is really, just to look at things differently, that's really brilliant, Nick. And I love that you said, you know, one page at a time, because actually my, I think still my favorite part of the entire book, I think it's the way you ended chapter two is you Mm. said so simply, like, keep going one more step, one more page. And that has become Mm -hmm. a phrase that has like rooted itself in my brain. And so I constantly am saying to myself, one more page, like one more page, Mm. it is the simplest little thing, but it stuck out to me so much. And so now whether I'm on the Peloton and I got to get through the last like five more minutes. I'm like one more page. Like I can do it. One more page. Or, you know, my kids on the floor crying about who knows what her juice box is not right. Or cheese stick is not open. And I'm like, you're too old to be having meltdowns about these things. I just have to go. Okay. One more page. Me too. Me too. We're, we're going to get through it. You know? Yeah. And, and the, it, I mean, it, it really is such a good metaphor for life because we, we, do, we don't know what's on the next page. Right. And one of my commitments is, is I'm trying to read more fiction. I just, yeah. I, I never had, had read fiction. And so when you get a good fiction book, you're like, I, I can't sleep. I got to see what's on the next page. And, <laughs> and you know, you're constantly trying. And so I, I wonder how many people have missed out on the next page because they didn't press on. Yeah. And so my, my heart for this book is like, Hey, I, I want you to see what's on the next page because there's one of the things I've noticed about my own life is that there is a deep grief that comes with resistance. Like it's just hard. Like you're processing this with God and there's, there's a profound grief that happens, Yeah. but there is a second wave of grief that is bigger than that grief. And that's the grief that if you walk away and give up too early mm-hmm. and God's grace is sufficient, he loves us unconditionally. Yeah. But I, I do wonder if that grief could be avoided, you know, yeah. what would that look like? Yeah. And there's no way of knowing, right. Unless we yeah. are brave enough to step into it and sit in it and feel yeah. all the feelings and figure it out. Yeah. Well, let me ask you one more thing about the book. <laughs> you mentioned okay. having, you know, nuanced things. And, um, like I said, it's not spiritual band-aids. It's not just like full of platitudes that are going to like you could or Pinteresty and, you know, Instagrammable. And so in chapter 12, I mean, I'm sure we can come up with some of them for you for marketing, you know, okay. <laughs> in chapter 12, um, you talk about living in the tension of both God will solve this and we might not see resolution mm-hmm. on this side of heaven. And so this is definitely one of those nuanced, challenging things 
um, that sounds so great, but practically like, how do we live in that both and space that like, yes, God will resolve it, but I'm, I might not ever see that happen. Yeah. Um, when I read scripture, I think a lot of times we, we read scripture with this like mentality that, oh my gosh, like they're fully aware of God's plan. And like Abraham had a son and he knew it was going to be a seed to the promise. And that promise would be 4,000, you know, like they, they didn't have any of that. And so I'm actually, you know, because it's January and we're like restarting all of our Bible reading plans that I don't know yes. if I'll finish I'm like the president of that club um, <laughs> is, is I've been reading a lot about Abraham again. And you know, what's so incredible about the scriptures and what's so incredible about uh, reading these stories of these people and their relationship with God is like, at the end of the day, there was just a simple desire. Like mm. Abraham, Abraham didn't want the seed that would lead to the Messiah. Like Abraham just wanted a son. Yeah. And so one of the things I've learned in my life, and then even within the scriptures is that there are incredibly beautiful things that we will get to see. Like mm. it's that Ephesians three twenty, like more than we can ask or imagine. Yep. And so there, there are elements of my life that I'm living in the more than I can ask or imagine. Like when I look around and, and shake my head and, and look past all the resistance and all the things yeah. that are hard and all the troubles, like it is a beautiful life that God has created for me yeah. and in me. But like with, with Abraham, there is also parts of his story that he, you know, he, God promised him this incredible land and he never saw it. Like, like the guy lived out of tents. Like he, like every time he's moving, he's, he's setting up his tent every yeah. like time. And I, I, there's, I, I just know I'm not a camper like that. I'm, I'm not even a <laughs> glamper and I know this about my life. Same. And so there, there are, there are parts. Thank you. Um, and there are parts about Abraham's promises that he didn't see this side of eternity. And so it, it's a tough tension. And, and, you know, the tension is a result of the fall. But what's so incredible is that God's never withholding from us. And and when you read the, the New Testament, you see that God is actually preparing a place for us that will be better than the place that we're in now. And so will we see incredibly beautiful things on this planet, absolutely. Well, we see incredibly hard injustice and hard things that unfortunately won't be resolved this side of eternity. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the point because there is a place that is coming where God will resolve it all and he will yeah. fix it all and he will make it all complete. And so it, it helps me, number one, have something to look forward to, but also mm -hmm. just not, I mean, we say this, but just not put so much hope in this world. Like we're, we, we feel it, we feel an angst in this world because we're not created for this world. Yeah. We're created for the garden and the city that's to come. And so I think a lot of times we, we think that those things will be solved through like new habits or like new jobs, or I can move to a new place and, um, I'm going to quit everything and, and travel the world. And, and what we realize is, yeah, there, there'll be incredible, like things that happen in that. And there'll be hard things that happen in that, but we will still have an unresolved tension if mm -hmm. if it's not tied up in and through Jesus. And it's beautiful because he wants to tie up that tension in our hearts, but it's hard because we have to wait for eternity. Yeah. Well, like you said earlier, you know, another word for faith is trust, right? And so yeah. that's, that's that. It's just, it's trusting, it's believing, it's choosing mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. believe that 
there is better. There is good that yeah. it, it will, we will eventually get there when we have nothing but God's presence. All right, Nick, last question for you. Because the show is called Becoming Church, what can the people listening do to become the church to people around them, even as they're going through their own challenges? Mm, that's good. Um, so actually, maybe I'll connect two dots. One thing that we had talked about off podcast was I mentioned Ted Lasso in the book. And yes. um, it is it is one of my favorite shows on the planet. And I, I'm actually rewatching it again. And what's okay. interesting is I, I'm, I'm watching it again. And the, the last time I watched it, I hadn't had panic attacks. And this time I'm watching it and he's having panic right. attacks. And so it's been like incredible to healing to watch it again. But there is one of my favorite all time scenes is the dart scene between him and Rupert, where he he's throwing darts and, and they're at the pub. And Rupert is just one of those guys that's like, I mean, that the guy who plays that character, I mean, it's Rupert is just one of those guys. You're like, I, if I see him on the streets, I'm I'm going to rough him up like, like <laughs> he's right. just playing a character. But it's it's he's an incredible actor. Yeah. And and so Ted and him are throwing darts. And all of a sudden, uh, Ted, uh, he thinks he's got Ted. And then Ted's uh -huh. like, hey. Actually, if you would have asked a few more questions and have been a little more curious, you would have known that I've played darts every day or every Sunday with my father since I was the age of like 16 or something. And so bringing it full circle, I think one of the most powerful things that the church could do in the future and, and in the present to become the, who God's asked us to be is to be more curious than judgmental. And does that change what you believe? Absolutely not. Like you, you could come away believing the same thing. Like you can come away holding your truths. But I just wonder what would happen is if we find out why people live the way that they live and believe the things that they believe versus like arriving at a judgment over those things. And so that scene is just so powerful to me because when I look at the life of Jesus, like the guy knew everything, yet there was a profound curiosity with how he lived his life on this yeah. planet. And, and he would, he would ask questions. It's like, he, he knew five steps ahead and he's like, Hey, so tell me about that. I actually know you have five husbands, but, but tell me, yeah. more, you know, or tell me. Yeah. And so, and so I just think if it, on a human level, if the church is going to be all that God's created it to be, it doesn't mean that we change what we believe. It doesn't mean that we arrive at a different place, or, you know, or arrive at a different place, but maybe we take a different journey to get there. And part of that is curiosity. Part of that is, is finding out more as to why people believe what they believe and live the way that they live. And I think if we do that, we'll actually love them better. A Men, listen, I am over here. I'm like, I want to stand up and like, come on, somebody that Nick Conley, that was yeah. so good. So good. I yes. mean, and, and, and like curiosity is just a powerful, powerful force and it doesn't cost us anything. And it, it does, again, it doesn't mean that we arrive at a right different belief system. It just means that we're able to love people better in the process of it. And yeah. I just find the more and more I ask people questions as to why they believe what they believe, I'm able to love them so much better than if I said, Hey, what do you believe? Oh, okay, good. We're out. That's yeah. it. That's all I needed yeah. to know. 
And, and one of the things that is so interesting about our church and I get flack from it all the time is we don't put our statement of faith on our website. Mm, and mm-hmm. part of that, we have a statement of faith. You ask yeah. me, I'll send it to you. It looks yeah. incredible. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> but I, I, ju- I just want people to be able to arrive at whatever part of their belief journey that they're on. And, you know, part of the church's job is to shepherd, right? Like you shepherd yeah. someone and, and you don't have to shepherd someone who's already at where they're supposed to be. Like you shepherd people Amen. in a process. And so I just, I don't understand why we're so afraid of that process. And I just love that Jesus did that. He's like, Hey, follow me. We'll figure it out. It's, you're going to say a lot of dumb things and I'm going to get frustrated, but we'll get there. And I'm going to keep bringing you along and I'm just going to keep explaining it to you over and over again, even though we both know you should have learned this lesson by now and figured this out. I will turn to my father one day and say, how long, oh Lord, but (laughs) I'm going to come back and and we'll, we'll do this together. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The last thing just to that curiosity is like, I think even when, when it comes to evangelizing, like, I don't know what other word mm-hmm. to use. That's why I'm, so I'm air quoting yeah. it. But I think if we want to reach unchurched people and we want to reach people that don't know Jesus, curiosity has got to be the lead. Like, not only is it going to allow us to love them better, but it's going to tell us what their actual needs are. If we're telling them mm-hmm. you need Jesus so that you don't go to hell. And that's l- literally the last thing on their mind. That's never going to work. Do you know what I'm saying? But if we understand what they need and we understand that they're really looking for peace, then we can explain that part. We can bring in the the peace of Christ and that might actually Mm. work, you know? Yeah. 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 And and I like the, what's so crazy is we're supposed to be on this journey of becoming more like children. Mm. And like Mm -hmm. one of the things you know about a kid is they will ask some questions all day long. Like they will all day long. And it's why, 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 why are you telling, why do we have, why do you, why? And I'm like, because I, I, I said so, because I said so. And it's like, I never, I had never said that I would say that, but now I'm saying it because I said mm-hmm. so. And, and I just, I wonder if that's part of spiritual maturity versus like spiritual immaturity is being yeah. able to become like a kid and say, why? Yeah. How? Yeah. Tell me more. Or even getting to the point of saying, I don't know. I think that's a massive yeah. spiritual maturity is saying, I don't mm. know this. Instead mm. of saying, claiming to know everything that God ever said, did, thought, believed. Which yeah. we never will. Oh. Ever. Oh, well, friend, thank you so much for being here. This was a delight. Uh, you guys can order Nick's book. Don't give up just yet. It comes out in two days. So they can pre-order it right now, right? Yes. And if you pre-order, there's uh, I think you get early access to the audiobook. And uh, if you order two copies, you get one month free of life school. And Jess and I are oh, doing that. And you yeah. can find out more about uh, nickconley.co. And you, you can put that in the show notes or whatever. But the, awesome. the, the, the life school is, is really incredible. You can read more about that. Yes. If you guys don't know Nick or Jess Connolly yet, buckle up because you are in for a treat. <laughs> I actually had Jess on the podcast last year. <laughs> And we talked Mm. about like what to do when you have church hurt and how you can still stay Mm. involved in the church after you have church hurt. So I'll drop her episode below as well. Thank you so much for being here. I'm actually coming to hang out with your wife in about a month. So I will see you soon. That's exciting. See you soon. (laughs) 
like Nick mentioned, he and Jess are offering one free month of life school to everyone who pre-orders two copies of Don't Give Up Just Yet. And honestly, who doesn't need a month of help? Even if you've never considered talking with a life coach, or maybe you even give the whole concept some side eye, I've seen in my own life how bringing in the perspective of someone from the outside can reveal things in your own life that you're blind to, just because you're so deep in everything you're trying to juggle. Nick and Jess both juggle many plates and wear a bunch of hats. So not only do they get what it means to be in the thick of life, they're also just lovely people to hang out with. Remember to subscribe or follow the show on whatever platform you're listening on, because we have even more incredible episodes coming up. I got to interview the person who maybe has influenced my faith more than anyone else ever has. And that conversation is coming to you in the very next episode. I know people say this all the time, but you really don't want to miss it. So hit that follow button. Until next time, stay curious, like Nick said, and keep becoming church to the people around you.